All right, so welcome everybody to another episode of Align with Lina. And today is uh, April the 20th, it is 2020. It is, we're in the midst of an amazing year. And I am super excited to bring to you somebody that I know you're going to truly enjoy her story because it touches on everybody's issues, anxiety. Um, but that is not all that that uh, Corinne is about. I, I like to bring to you people who have undergone spiritual awakening so that you can see ordinary people like Corinne, like me, like all the guests that I've brought so far, so that you can see that you're not alone on your journey. So without further ado, let's get right to it, Corinne. Thank you so much for joining me today amidst all of our uh, wonderful opportunities to, to connect here. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, this is very exciting. So let me just start with the same question that I ask everybody. When did you begin to realize that there was more to life than what you have been taught is what life is all about? I was young. And to be honest with you, I don't remember the exact age where I started pondering a question of if God is love, as they say God is, how can a loving God create things that die? Yeah. I remember being in fifth grade learning about a pretty horrific animal abuse story and being just like, you know, that moment when your innocence is lost, when you realize mm -hmm. that like the world is not your happy little playground. <laughs> it's got a lot, a lot of problems. And I already at a very young age had had lots of anxiety issues. So I was first diagnosed at the age of two, one and a half, two years old with separation anxiety disorder that morphed into phobias. It sort of morphed into a lot of fears of sickness. Mm. And I feel like my turning point, my big moment of awakening came through a lot of pain when I was a sophomore in college and a student who I didn't know died very suddenly, was fine the night before, passed away the next morning. And I was just like, what? Like that question again, of how, if God is love, how can a loving God create things that die? Yeah. What is this? Like, <sighs> it, it, I always had this intuitive sense that something was weird with the idea that like you could be born and then you could die. Like yeah. something just deep down intuitively to me always felt real, that, that felt strange. Like how could something not be and then be and then not be again? <laughs> like it just didn't make sense to me. So that's amazing that you could even think that as a young person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank goodness that I was asking these questions. And I have to tell you that there were many times when I was like, I think life would be so much better if I didn't have like all of this, like all these questions and like be on this spiritual pathway and I could just be like blissfully ignorant. But now <laughs> I don't, I don't agree. You know, I, we're way better off with awakening, with consciousness. And, and anyway, so the turning point for me was that night, that, that day when I learned that that student passed away suddenly, I remember that day feeling just a spike of fear come through my body. I talked myself out of it, got on with my day, went to bed. And at three o'clock in the morning, I literally felt like a punch in my stomach of stress hormones it was my first panic attack. I was gasping for air. I was, my whole body was shaking. I had just these like shock waves of anxiety coming through my limbs and my core. 
I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. It was so scary. And I remember climbing down my bunk bed, grabbing our campus phone, which had a wire. We didn't have cell phones back in that day. And I called home and my mom, who slept with earplugs and a white noisemaker, she heard that phone ring at three o'clock in the morning through all of that, Oh wow! picked up the phone and helped me figure out that I was having a panic attack and helped me have hope that we were going to somehow find our way through this. And it was then that she reintroduced A Course in Miracles to me. Oh, and I was like, okay. I will try anything. And if you say it's going to help with peace, like, okay. And quick side note, up until then, I was I wanted nothing to do with A Course in Miracles. I wanted nothing to do with spirituality. She would try to talk to me about it like a loving mom. And I'd be like speak to me in English like you used to. Like I was snotty. So You sound like my daughter, like all three of my kids when I started on my spiritual journey and especially A Course in Miracles. Yep. Yep. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I still apologize to my mom, but, um, and thank her just for, you know, the role that she's played in, in helping me. But the course, you know, those questions of like, what is this? And like, how can a loving God create things that die? And and how can we be born? And well, death doesn't make any sense. When I opened the course and started reading it, I did not understand 90 to 95% of what I was reading, but something in my heart was like, yes. No. Yeah. Thank you. Like finally mm -hmm. it felt like, you know, you were like really thirsty for a long time and you're given this like really like icy glass of just delicious water. That's how it felt. And so I've never put the book down. That was back in 1996. Oh, wow. And yeah. it's just been this ever deepening experience of being a course student where, you know, you think like, you know what the course is about and then like, wait, you can go deeper. So yeah. that's, that was how my journey started. Oh my goodness. Well, I, so many, so many things I was here taking all kinds of notes and may not even get back to them. Um, you were talking about, you picked it up in 1996. That's when my youngest son was born <laughs> and he's 20. <laughs> he'll be 23 this summer. So that that's pretty amazing. Um, or 24. I can't, I can't remember how, how it's going to be. <laughs> it starts um, all blending together, right? <laughs> yes. But that is absolutely incredible that all of those years you have had, um, the course as your companion to help you work through things. But let me go back to when you were a kid. So here you are, this incredibly intuitive child, because that is intuition. You you knew truth that how can something that's eternal die? And you're facing the human experience and questioning its reality that that cannot be that something that was just here a minute ago is not here now. Um, so you're one of those those people who came in with that, they might call the indigo kids, that already had truth so close to, to the surface for you. You didn't have to go digging in so deep. But what was it like living with all of that anxiety? Because that's where I think it's going to be so helpful for people to hear. What was your life like? I never really experienced anxiety. That was just not, not part of what I came to, to experience in this lifetime but I did have three anxious children. Mm -hmm. I had two, two kids that were 
um, dep severely depressed at times, suicidal often, and for, for a period of quite a few of those teenage years, and, and maybe even beyond the teenage years. And that, that growing up, living underneath what I'm going to call that heavy blanket of anxiety must have totally, completely um, gave you a perspective of life that is unlike somebody who doesn't have that. So take us into your world for a little bit. Anxiety sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I bet. It feels like the world is caving in on you. It feels you get this 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 feeling of like constriction and tunnel vision where all you know is the fear. All you know is the worry and you feel powerless to it. It feels like it's in control and you have nothing that you can do to kind of rein it back in. It, it, it It's not fun. Um, it's very painful. And it makes you, you know, look out from a fearful perspective and you see witnesses for fear everywhere. You mm. see reason that your fear is justified. You see, you know, cause for like why you should be anxious and why you do need to worry. But the thing is that, and this is where the course has been so helpful for me, is just like it, it, it comes from where you begin. So if you're coming from the anxious place, you're going mm -hmm. to see witnesses for fear. If we can start tuning into the truth in us, the love in us, then you start to see the witnesses for that show up in your life. So just to, to take you into my, my anxious world a little bit more, anxiety exists on a continuum. It can be on the low end of the continuum where it feels like we just can't sit still. We feel restless. We feel like we have to constantly be busy. Um, we might have occasional worries. Then, you know, crank up the dial that worry can get more intense. We can constantly mm. be like, oh, you know, like what do I need to do? What do I need to plan for? We can just like fixate on certain things, whether it's worry about others, worry about ourselves, worry about worried about health concerns, yeah. Yeah. and then crank up the volume even more. And then you're seeing the diagnosable anxiety disorders. And I was diagnosed, I can't even tell you, I think it was like four or five different anxiety disorders that I've had throughout my life. Oh wow. Yeah. And and those when it reaches the level of a disorder, it interferes with your functioning. There were times when it was hard for me to eat because my stomach was in such a knot. I couldn't function. Literally, like I was a pile on the couch. Um, it's it's completely debilitating. So I lived at that high end of the continuum for most of my life. A mm. lot of my fear was about sickness and about dying and about the health of my body. Now, I feel like with what's happening with this current pandemic, I almost mm -hmm. feel like even people at the low end of the spectrum now have an understanding of what the high end of the spectrum feels like because of what's happening with coronavirus. So the thing is that I feel that that anxiety, it's like, it, it feels like it's so constricting and the fear can be so great that if we don't look for another way, it's, mm -hmm. it feels like it's just going to cave in on you and you're going to be mm -hmm. lost in it forever versus what happens with a diamond, you know, how are diamonds created, that pressure, yeah, pressure. and then boom, a diamond can come out of that. And that's yeah. what I feel like the opportunity is that we all have right now is for that anxiety 
to be repurposed and transformed as a means of helping us awaken. And so the anxiety didn't leave, it, 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 it would still be here, I am sure, if I wasn't looking for another way, if I yeah. wasn't open to a new way of thinking, to a new thought system. And I feel like that's the gift that anxiety can give us. It can push us and mm -hmm. be there until we can find that new pathway, till we can find that, that new perception. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Such beautiful, powerful things that you have shared. So let me kind of tie this together in, in the way that um, I, I often like to do with people's experience to tie that directly to the, the spiritual awakening. Because you basically summarized that when we're operating inside of our fears, it is tunnel vision. And we will see the projected images out there that we fear within us because how else are we going to know we're in fear? So that that instant mirroring happens. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to get out of that situation is to look for another situation, to look for another way. So whether it's because, you know, anxiety drove you to that. For me, it was the 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 pain after my mom passed away, sent me and, and it wasn't so much the grieving of her death. What it turned into was my fear of my death. And that is is what really drove me to find my other way it was like there had to be another way. And then, of course, from there, things began to accelerate. But the spiritual journey, I mean, I've been teaching now for about 14 years and it's the same for everybody. There has to be a willingness to look at things differently because if looking at things the way you were looking at them was working, who would look for another way? Exactly. If it's good, it's good. Um, so you begin to get, you, you must have come to the place that you were sick and tired of being afraid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk, I, talk to us about that, that decision to give up um, trying to solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Yeah, Yes, that's it. So uh, yes, I did reach a point where I was like, I will do absolutely anything to find my way out of this. And what I mean by that is that every belief I held, every perception I held, every way that I thought things are, I was willing to question. Everything now, I started holding it lightly because clearly the way that I was functioning, like you're saying, the way that I was thinking was driving my ship into the ground. <laughs> it was, it was, it, it, you know, the, the train was being wrecked. It was not working. And for me to try to find a way out of it on my own, like you're saying, in the same thought system where the problem was born, it cannot be that thought system where we find the answer. It has to be something outside of that. And that is where I started opening to this idea of another way, of an internal teacher. I call it in my book, I call it your inner therapist. I, I open to this idea that there is something in us that knows the truth. There's something in us yeah. that can lead us out of our closed loop, fearful thought system. And yeah. so we do have to make a decision to heal. It is a, a point when I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm willing to try anything and I'm willing to question every perception that I have. I'm open to being taught. And so even though I made that choice, 
it doesn't mean that the anxiety went away right away. It didn't. Oh, yeah. oh no, yeah. it lingered. It lingered for a long time. But the the my 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 willingness was so great. My willingness to keep trying, to keep going, to know deep down that there is really a way out of this. There really is and, and not a way that like, again, that I can come up with myself, but like, because I so resonated with the messages of A Course in Miracles, I knew that that was my way, way out. Now, if I can just yeah. add, my first big anxiety episode was the 1996 one that I mentioned. I went through another really bad one in 2009. That was triggered at the time by a job that I no longer fit in, a very stressful job. And I had already been a course student for a long time. And when people hear me say that, they're like, what? Like you were doing the course and then you went through this big, like, you know, downward spiral again. But what I realized at that time was that I was using a spiritual pathway, A Course in Miracles, as a Band-Aid. So in other words, I was like getting anxious. I'd run to the book. I'd read something that made me feel better. I'd put it down and I'd go back to doing what I was doing. There wasn't yeah. a fundamental, I mean, there was a fundamental shift beginning, but mm -hmm. I was still largely keeping intact my sense of self as Corinne, my separate identity, some unquestioned beliefs, some unquestioned perceptions. And so in 2009, when I realized that, that I was like, wait a second, something's off. If I'm still suffering this much, what's going on? And what I realized at that time specifically for anxiety was that I was running away from it as fast as I could. I was using the course to try to tamper down that anxiety yeah. rather than face it with spirits and allow that anxiety to be seen differently, allow it to be repurposed. I imagined it as like I'd be sitting with spirit, my inner therapist, and rather than trying to push away or run away from the anxiety, I'd sit there and we would look at it together. And it was as if like when there's like a fog bank and the sun starts to shine and the sun just like burns away the fog, that's how in a sense it was by starting to look at the anxiety with spirit rather yeah. than trying to run away from it or tamper it down on my own. So that was the big shift that came in 2009. And that was when... I was like, I have to write down what's helping me. And that is when, that's when I started my book, um, From Anxiety to Love. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, it, again, you're just saying so many wonderful things. It's primarily because you are what I'm going to call a serious student of the course. Mm -hmm. To me, I have because of all my years of teaching and, and, and also I, I'm a student of my own journey. So I pay attention to what I've gone through because the clues uh we all leave the same clues behind and if you just pay attention to that it's like hansel and gretel those are the breadcrumbs that will lead us back out of this this uh insanity and one of the things that I, that has become so clear for me is that i can put all of my students all of my clients into two camps because i was in these camps uh one is we get curious we really get curious because we want to get rid of the pain and we want to be pain free and that curiosity does lead us to find the band-aids to find the the ways of shifting things to find um, whatever it is that's going to give us relief but it will always be temporary because it is dealing at the level of of the the surface 
but it is necessary to to see it on the surface even though we will enter we will see the wound we will be able to look at uh, the genesis of it we, we can do a lot of amazing healing work with curiosity mm-hmm. but then you got to move from curious to serious because mm-hmm. you got to be really serious about your freedom because to accept your sovereignty to accept your eternalness to come from the place from which there is absolutely nothing that is missing within you where you accept your holiness you've got to be really committed to give up that that separate sense of self mm-hmm. and that's what i hear you began to encounter uh in 2009. oh i love everything that you just said and you're absolutely right that we have to go from curious to serious and i love what you said that we must be serious about our freedom yeah yes 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 like that got me so excited when you said <laughs> that and that's it you know getting getting serious about our freedom and getting serious about being pain free we can try to search for ways to be pain free while still keeping everything, you know, my sense of ego identity as Corinne, while still keeping that intact. And that is the equivalent to trying to plug a leaky, rusty pipe. We're gonna find a remedy. With gum. (laughs) Right, with gum. We're gonna find a remedy that seems to plug one hole in the rusty, leaky pipe, but then another problem is gonna spring out elsewhere. And that's gonna keep being our pattern if we're just being curious. When we get serious about allowing our identity to be transformed from a sense of small S separate self into a capital S self, the self that we all share, that's the equivalent of like replacing the pipe (laughs) and and, you know, it being like a a solid clean pipe that doesn't have leaks in it. There might still be things that pop up here and there, but those are just layers of the fear coming up that still remains in our minds that are coming up to be to be healed. So you're absolutely right that getting serious means that you're willing to even question, who am I? Yeah. Who am I? And let, let's let's just shift the conversation to present day coronavirus, because, again, another one of those beautiful um, opportunities to see everything clearly when you have a, when you've gained enough perspective and God knows how much more I'll gain for the rest of my lifetime. But for today, what I get to see from where I've climbed up to on the mountain um, it is really pretty remarkable because I've had the we all on this journey have our guides or intuition, whatever we want to call it. For me, it was really clear. I was I was hearing uh, Jesus was speaking to me and, and, and it started very early on and I was feeling the guidance and that's who gave me the workshops that I teach. That's who's given me the only process that I teach and everything that I that I was led to to read to start. I was told to not open the Course in Miracles. Um, until I was ready to open the Course in Miracles. So I I kept hearing this, go, stop, do this, don't do that. So I got really in tune with with that voice, that Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. I, to me, it's like, it doesn't matter. You can call it Baba, you can call it, you know, Buddha, you can call it Bambi, does not matter. (laughs) But that voice was very, very clear. And it guided me towards the recognition that I came to the place where I had to realize that there is no separate line. 
And that sent me on an entirely different way of doing the journey. And what I came to realize from that, and it really came, you were talking about your two big, big experiences. Um, basically, you faced the the death of your friend and then, you know, your job situation. I faced the death of my mother and then, um, I don't know, it was about almost 10 years later, I I had to, to be open to the possibility that my youngest son might die from an overdose because he entered a four-year drug adventure that absolutely turned my life around. Upside down, you know, I, I was doing uh, all kinds of spiritual and egoic flips to try and make sense of what was going on because it's not what I thought I had written into the script of my perfect life. But that's when I had to make a decision. Am I going to be shifting between love and fear? Or am I going to accept that love could be the only way? And when I made that decision to see everything only from how does love see this? I mean, that old saying, what would Jesus do? What would love do? It became really clear that my quality of life changed dramatically. The peace that I began to feel, that peace that passes all understanding, the judgments of other people, um, as those things were coming up, letting them go became as necessary as breathing for me. Because to hold on to something that blocked my ability to feel the, the deliciousness of the energy of love moving through me was no longer acceptable. That's when getting serious becomes, you know, it, it's, it's like, like I said, it's, it was as important as breathing for me. So here we are in the midst of this coronavirus. And the course makes it really clear. One issue is no different than any other issue, whether you stub your toe or whether you think you've got cancer or you are facing the, the, the electric chair. And for anybody who's hearing this and you're not familiar with The Course in Miracles, we're going to dive into the, the depth of The Course in Miracles. So please put your seatbelt on because this might get a little bumpy for you <laughs> if you haven't heard things like this. Corinne, share what did you learn from the course that you have experienced in your own life that has helped you see that every everything is the same? Again, another big question. Um, the deepest course teachings, and just like you just said about strap on your seatbelt, here we go. <laughs> I had to get hardcore. Like I had to go to the deepest messages of the course to find relief because of the extent of the anxiety. Like the anxiety pushed me to go as like deep as I could into this work. So it has taught me this world is a dream. This world is an illusion. I've had experiences, little experiences here and there that have made me feel that way. For instance, really quick example, uh, about two, three months ago now, I was driving on the highway at like 65 miles an hour, fully present. Suddenly I was still, I wasn't mm -hmm. moving anymore. I was still and the picture as if it was like, as if it was like movie screens around me, the picture was moving, but I was still. I've had little experiences like that here and there that have just really reinforced this idea that we are dreaming right now. And the yeah. so so it's almost like it's almost like those experiences of lucid dreaming. When you realize that you're dreaming, when you realize that you're the dreamer of this dream, the course teaches us that we are safe at home in God right now. We have not left. We are there. We have. We are as safe right now as we were before this seeming separation began, 
as we will be after this seeming separation is over. We have not left our source. And my lesson yesterday was in A Course in Miracles. So A Course in Miracles, for those who are totally new, there are three parts, a text, a workbook, and a manual for teachers. The workbook has 365 lessons, one for every day. My lesson yesterday was lesson 110, I am as God created me. If we drop into that and like really feel the meaning behind the words, I am as God created me, listen to this. <laughs> I didn't expect to share this, but I, I, I love your passion. So, oh my gosh. I was so blown away by this line. And by the way, for those who might be new to the course, or maybe if you are an experienced course student, you can relate that you underlined something years ago in your book. <laughs> And then you get to it again now and you're like, whoa, <laughs> really? I read this before? Like it's getting, I'm getting at a whole new level. And that's what happened yesterday. Yeah. This idea, I am as God created me, it says, this idea is therefore all you need to let complete correction heal your mind and give you perfect vision. And then it says, it will heal all the mistakes which any mind has made at any time or place. <laughs> so like by dropping into this idea that I am still as God created me, and it says in the lesson, his son can suffer nothing and I am his son. We are connecting with that truth that we are eternal beings, that we have not changed the truth despite what we might seemingly perceive here. And as we drop into that, that corrects not only any mistaken perceptions in our mind, but it corrects, it, it reaches out, it touches others too. From yeah. the past, from the seeming future, it says those um, yet unborn. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. So this is this is big stuff. So it's these deep lessons of the course. And, and the course is teaching too that there is no death. Yes. That death is a central dream that holds this entire world together. It's the one thing that we don't question, like, oh, death is just a fact of life, everything dies. The Course is saying, no, you made death. You need to question this. Look at it, you know, hand it over. And and the Course says, and again, strap on your seatbelt, that <laughs> Jesus elected to go through what he went through to demonstrate that life, that we cannot take away life. We yeah. can, no matter what the seeming appearance is, life cannot be touched. Mm -hmm. And I get goosebumps because what a, like, like what a beautiful message. You can't yeah. get any more of like a, like an anxiety busting message than that. <laughs> no, no, it, it is absolutely beautiful. And that's exactly what I was being shown um, when Spencer was doing drugs, I was hearing this guidance that was saying to me, because everybody, you know, his dad, who happened to be my ex-husband at the time, um, his dad, his, everybody that loved my son, siblings and my family, my sisters, aunts, uncles and friends, they really wanted what was best for Spencer from their perspective which meant he had to go to rehab, we had to do a, a, a drug intervention, he, we had to stop, take everything away, take all the privileges, we, we were gonna lock him down mm -hmm. so that he would be um, without all of these things and then he would just realize that they were not good for him. And I'm hearing Jesus say to me, 
not only are you not going to do a drug intervention, but all you can do is a spiritual intervention. You're going to do a soul intervention. And this is what that's going to look like. You're not going to take anything away. You're going to focus on what is already eternal in him. And you're going to remind him that he's powerful, that he is making every single choice that he's making. And whether he likes it or not, you will not take responsibility for anything that he is choosing to do. You will not be sad because of him. You will not be angry because of him. You will not be fearful because of him. You are going to let him know that you see him as your peer, soul to soul. You're going to remind him that he is eternal. And if he wants to deny his eternalness and he chooses to kill himself, well, he will remember his eternalness pretty quickly because when, once he crosses the veil, he will remember that and he will go, oh, my gosh, I was eternal. And so you remind him that he gets to play the game that way, but you are not going to go into fear because of what he does. Now, my ego side was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm his mother. I'm supposed to be afraid. I'm supposed to be worried. I'm supposed to control him. So I had crazy, crazy talk inside of me. I'm hearing these two voices. But by then, Jesus had been my homie for so many years. I mean, he had been my partner through divorce, through bankruptcy, through a new, re, you know, getting remarried a divorce and a remarriage all, all in a short period of time. So I, I had had this constant companion that I had come to trust. And that's when he said, okay, now we're going to start. Now we're going to open up the Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. And when we started in the Course in Miracles, Spencer was very, very clear that I was not going to accept for one second that he wasn't the creator of his own reality. And we studied the Course in Miracles together. My first year in the course in 2012 was with my son, and he, you know, had his journey and and um, stopped doing drugs. I don't know, maybe two or three years after that, and then had been pretty much drug free since then, and has elected to start drinking, but but on a social basis, and he feels very comfortable that that has no power over him now because he understands his mind. That child at 23, that young man, that soul, that old soul at 23 has has a lot of clarity. And if you were to ask him, what was the one thing you hated that your mom did while you were going through drugs? And he said, I just hated that she always said, I was in charge of my own reality that I was doing this to myself, like I really was choosing to do this to myself. Um, and of course, I would always say yes, I'm not the one doing it to you. I'm not the one thinking your thoughts. And if you ask him, well, what is the one thing that that helped you the most that your mom did? She told me that was great in my own reality. And then when I heard that a million times, I finally had to go, okay, <laughs> what if I am? And that, that question allowed him to begin to see how powerful he was. And when we enter into this journey and we realize, because that's when I, that's when my fear of death went bye-bye. It was totally and completely gone. I have no fear of death at all. So here we are in the midst of this coronavirus, and I realized this past week that for me, I am drawing a line in the sand with who I am going to be working with, the, the level of my teachings. I only want to work with serious students who want to claim their eternalness, because once you claim your eternalness, what is there to fear? 
So speak to you claiming your eternalness and coming to the place where you, you're dealing with what's going on in the world today from that place of your awakened state. I think that you just, oh my goodness, your story is so incredibly powerful. And yes, we have to claim our eternalness. Like, yes, absolutely we do. And even though we might, like, for instance, it started out for me as like, okay, I'm an eternal being. Yay. <laughs> like, just a thought, you know, just like, okay, I'm going to, and, and, you know, A Course in Miracles is a mind training program. That's mm -hmm. the lessons we go through. There are things to repeat. There are things to do in your meditations. And it's training us to shift the I am an eternal being from here into yeah. knowing, into yes. just knowing it through experience. Yeah. So for instance, I'll give you an example. And, and this is an example that I share in my book. And it was one of the key experiences that, de that developed my trust in the fact that I am an eternal being, that I create my reality, that, that you know, I'm the one dreaming this dream. I mentioned that one of my biggest anxiety triggers were health triggers. And I, I do want to say more about coronavirus because this situation would have been my absolute nightmare, my worst oh, yeah. nightmare years ago. And oh, now yeah. it's like, I'm in just such a different place. But to just share this one quick story, um, health fears being my number one fear in the past, I, I bruise easily. I always have my entire life. And one day I just decided to start worrying about it. So <laughs> I went to a doctor. He's like, oh, you should go like to this specialist. So I went to this specialist and that doctor, I was in the office. They were, they were doing some lab work, drawing, drawing blood. And I won't share details for anybody who feels squeamish, but the nurse was like, so why are you here? And I told her, she's like, well, that's not good. And then I was like, well, it's a symptom I've had my whole life. And she goes, well, that's not good. And then she goes, don't you pass out on me? And guess what I did? So like what she said was such a fear, like, you know, it was such an anxiety trigger for me yeah. that it threw me into um, nearly passing out. Now I could have pointed the finger and have said, you're a lousy nurse, which I had those thoughts. You're a lousy nurse. What do you do in saying this kind of thing to you know somebody who's so sensitive? But rather than go there afterwards, because now the doctor, after I went through that, the doctor was like, oh, here, you need to go to a hospital outpatient clinic and get more lab work done. So it was even a bigger anxiety trigger. And I was like, okay, what I was already coming from fear. She showed up to witness to my fear. That yeah. came from me. Yeah. All right, I have to go to this lab. I want to witness for love. Yeah. And I was still terrified. So I still was really nervous about it. But I just kept saying, I want to witness. I want to see the witnesses for love. I want to see the witnesses for love, not for fear. Yeah. I walked into that lab in the hospital. Behind the desk was the mom of one of my college roommates. Had no idea she worked there. I thought she was a receptionist. Turns out she's a nurse. Without my asking, she escorts me in the back, draws all the, you know, the vials. We're chatting the whole time. It was fine. And the biggest thing that was like, I still get goosebumps. As I was leaving, it was a Monday. As I was leaving, she goes, oh, Corinne, she's like, it's really great, you know, that I was here today. She's like, I don't usually work on Mondays. And I got called in 30 minutes before you showed up. And I was just like, yeah. 
I want to see witnesses for love. So it's experiences like that that help us shift from I am an eternal being into knowing the truth. And then when we go forward and let's say like right now with just the situation that we're in with coronavirus, you know, from a course perspective, the, the way that I see coronavirus, it's the perfect ego storm. It is the perfect yes. ego tactic to keep mm-hmm. us focused on our bodies, to keep us identified as our bodies, to keep our safety out there by like wiping everything off and, you know, everything that, that it is that, that we're supposed to do. And I'm, I'm obeying, you know, I'm, I'm going along, I'm washing my hands and no problem there. But, but the fact is that it is an ego tactic to stay in fear. And it's a, it's an amazing ego tactic. It's invisible. It's everywhere. It is on surfaces, you know, or I mean, not for long they're saying, but like, you don't know, you know, where, where it is and the symptoms are different for everybody. Like it's, it's, it's kind of unpredictable. It's a perfect ego storm. And so here again, we have an incredibly big opportunity to be willing to witness to the eternal beings that we are and to know what I love about the course is that it's training us to see beyond appearances. So my practice right now is to connect deep down with the fact that, that it is well deep in me. It is well, there's a song that I've been listening to lately called it is well by Christine DeMarco and it is well with our soul. Mm-hmm. That's the lyric, one of the lyrics in the song. Wow. And as we can connect with that feeling of it is well with my soul, we can look out from that place, from that knowing, to be willing to see past appearances, to to witness to the eternal truth in every single one of us, despite what seems to be happening on the level of form. And that is our job right now as miracle workers, for those of us who feel called to be on this pathway. Hallelujah. <laughs> Corinne for president. <laughs> oh gosh, no, thank you. <laughs> But it isn't it but isn't that the whole the essence of the course in miracles is to remind us of our superpower mm-hmm. and our superpowers to create the reality that we want to experience. And all of these people who don't want to get sick are giving their power to fear. Yes. Guess what they're going to have to experience? They have to experience the sickness or aversion of the discomfort, um, whether it be the, the lack of money or the inability to get out of their house or whatever it might be, because we have put ourselves in bondage to this thought system that tells us that we're not the eternal superpower that we are. And but nobody can be convinced otherwise, because to decide to not claim our infinite nature with that decision, I'm not going to be infinite. We make the decision that I am finite and something can happen to me. And as long as we are not even curious, there is no way to unravel that thought system. But it, it is just such a beautiful thing to hear you express what you have expressed, because you know, we, we're in a time when there's a lot of lot of spiritual people out there and spirituality. I mean, to me, it's like grades in school, depending on where you are in your journey from curious to to, uh, you know, at the Jesus level where where, you know, exactly what you are and you live at that level of freedom. I'm not there, but I know it's possible for me. I have no doubt that that's my my um, the benchmark for me, because mm-hmm. if Jesus could do it, so can I. Mm-hmm. That is what 
the teachings are all about. So wherever we are on that continuum of, of trusting, trusting the truth, we experience different degrees of comfort, different degrees of freedom, different degrees of, frankly, play. Because for me, and this is something that I know I can share with you, I can't say this to every person that I that I interview with, because most people that don't understand this would be very offended by this. But once you realize that you are the creative child of, of the infinite creator, and you're here because you want to experience life on planet Earth, it really is just a wonderful adventure. And I told my son, we're going to look at your your four years through the drug. We're going to call it a drug adventure because it was an adventure for me. I'd never done anything like that before. So I ventured into his drug journey. I ventured into now my, my life experience as a curious explorer, wondering what interesting things are we going to do? Today, I'm going to wash my hands. Yay, let me enjoy washing my hands. Tomorrow, I'm going to have to put a mask. Okay, let, where, who can I, where can I find a mask? Because those things don't have power over me, I am enjoying the experience of bringing my embodied loving self to that thing. And it's so liberating. It's so liberating. And if I catch the virus, if that's the way I'm supposed to experience it, bring it on. I'm going to love it. If I don't catch it, how cool is that? Either way, my performance is going to get an Oscar just as everybody else's will. <laughs> and then we exit stage left and if we decide to come back into the dream, we come back again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but how empowering it must be for you to realize that you are eternal and here you are moving about people scared, people truly, truly, um, you know, my, I, my heart goes out for their, their pain because I've been that crazy person. I've been that scared person. I've been that mistrusting person. I've been that person afraid of money, afraid of um, my job or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. But when we realize that we're all one, every single person is a representation of an aspect of the potential of disconnection that I can experience from super disconnected to barely connected. And some days, you know, I do have my egoic fears. I just don't believe my own thoughts anymore, which is so liberating. Just because I have them doesn't mean I have to believe them. Um, but that that is just so beautiful to hear you find your peace. So how are you going about day to day with your clients? Because you're you're a coach. Um, you know, you're you teach, don't you? Um, well, I'm I I'm not working with individuals. I do have some group programs in the works, and I have a study group, you know, that I that I work with every week. And so it's been mainly through through group work. But I, I actually just want to speak, if I could just go back for a second, what you said about this being an adventure, because it's funny in my book from Anxiety to Love, I talk about this being a separation theme park, <laughs> and <laughs> it can be like you know a twisted fun house. Or or like, you know, a really scary roller coaster, but repurposed yeah. from ego purposes to awakening purposes, yeah. it can be a loving, you know, it can be a, a beautiful encounter with truth as we go through this dream. And you also spoke to what the course calls the transfer of trust. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, we're 
fully trusting in the beginning in ego, in our small s self will, our, you know, our own strength. And slowly we're starting to shift our, our little feet. We're wiggling them over into the Holy Spirit's camp, into Spirit's camp and, and just really um, learning how to stay there. So mm-hmm. with everything that's happening with coronavirus, to be completely transparent, I've had fear spikes. Like when this all started happening, I was like, like everybody, what is going on? Like we're trying to like realize that like, you know, just just what is happening was the question that we were all struggling with. And in that, in the fear spikes. So every time I might experience like a, like a, uh, or an experience like a fear, tried to plant my roots here in this world and making it my home rather than planting my roots in eternity, in a solid foundation. The only solid foundation is by planting our roots in eternity. This world is quicksand. Like try to plant roots on sand and it just is not going to work. So any opportunity that I have had where I've been like, what's going on? Any fear there I have looked at as my own reflection of still you know, identifying as my small S self as Corinne, trying to make this home. And it's just been a beautiful opportunity to question all that, to say, you know, spirit, I'm willing to see this differently. Like here's another layer um, coming up. And so I, when the H1N1 swine flu outbreak happened in 2009, around that time that I was having really bad anxiety, I was a mess. I was terrified out of my mind. And here we are in a situation that's worse. You know, it's, it's, it's way bigger than that was. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm so different. It, I feel like that, that stark contrast between 2009 and now with these pandemics is just evidence that this pathway works. There really is. We really do have the capacity to identify with our eternal nature and function from that place. It doesn't mean we're going to stay there. It doesn't mean that we need to even do it perfectly, but it's it's something like you said, we can always be working towards and it reveals itself yeah. to the extent that we're ready and willing for it to do so. So yeah. Yeah, I I love that. Let me add um, what I'm experiencing now, because as you were saying, doesn't mean that we're going to stay there because we have egoic thoughts. My mind is filled with information about the world. So there is a level of of, um, reality that I have given to the world. I still brush my teeth because I think I have them and I still go to the store because I I believe I got to feed this body. Um, But where I am is that recognition that we don't I don't have to believe those thoughts that instill that level of fear and anxiety and and separation and makes the world real and powerful over me I have began I have begun to play with with this has been happening for a couple of years now but coronavirus is is like supercharging this this uh, game for me and it's the game of what if I am as powerful as I am and I actually can go ahead and start giving thought to the reality that I want to experience. And that is just as powerful and as amazing as the old reality that I created. But there is one, there's one twist to this, to this game is that the story, the, the, the world, the life, the game that we have played was a game where we came in here and we took from the game. You got to give me safety. You got to give me money. You got to give me love. You got to give me this. You got to give me that. Um, you know, you got to give me a degree. You got to give me accolades. Now the game is 
what am I bringing to the world? Mm -hmm. If I know I'm an eternal being and I am the direct, the direct descendant of all that isness, and I am here, and I've got the superpower of, of creation, um, co-creation, because I'm using the mind of God, how do I want to play that game? And now it's like, how can I bring love to this? Because what are the things that I get to bring? I get to bring my love. I get to bring my joy. I get to bring my fun. I get to bring my attention, my kindness, my my gentleness, my defenselessness. My That's what I get to bring. Because this world doesn't have anything, as you know, of course, teaches us. There's nothing of value in this world. That's why we can't take anything with us. But as babies, we bring all of that. We bring the trust. We bring the gentleness, the kind, all of that. We bring that in. That's what I want to give to the world because we got to return to being like little children to enter the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And now it's simple. Shift and lift that thought, move out of that fear, move into that love, move from that judgment, move into that joy, move from that blaming. Let's move into something beautiful. And, and it's that that shift that allows us to feel, allows me to feel that instantaneously I can in a nanosecond, like what was his name? Robin Williams is to say, Ork from Ork or Mork for Mork, whatever his name was, you know, nano, nano. Okay, let me shift. Let me change it. Let me have the experience that I want because this insanity that we should be suffering, we all want to be well, but why are we giving all of our attention to the suffering? We all want to be happy. Why are we talking about what we don't like? We all want to be abundant. Why are we talking about not enough money in the checking account? It is so amazing how powerful we are and don't even freaking know it. I, I'm right there with you. And I have to speak to what you said with that shift of like, what can I get from this versus now what can I give? That's yeah. been a huge shift for me in my journey as a course student is to recognize that, that miracles are expressions of love. They're not just shifts in perception. It's not just, it's part, this is part of it. It's, you know, the shift is part of it, but to give and to receive are one in truth. That's a course lesson. Yeah. So as we give miracles, as we give love to our brothers, to the world, as we give miracles, we immediately get that back. We, that, that, that giving of love awakens something in another person, which in turn awakens it in us, which yeah. this, this is a part of the course that like, I, I wasn't tuned into for a long time, the interpersonal nature of miracles and, and yeah. miracle working. And it, it goes from, you know, my peace, like I want, I want to be peaceful. You know, I want my peace and I don't want to disturb my peace to a recognition that as I give love, I recognize that, that, that peace is all there is. I, 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 help another connect with that piece and that reinforces it in my own mind. So yes, 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 yes. Well, it's like when people say I want to be peaceful and then, you know, if I'm coaching or whatever and they're telling me how upset they are and I'm like, well, why'd you give your peace away? What do you mean I give my peace away? Well, you had to exchange it for the anger. Mm -hmm. who, who exchanged that for you? Mm -hmm. Who took it from you? Mm -hmm. Well, they did blah, blah, blah. They did, but you decided to give your peace away because of what they did. What about you keep your peace and let them do what they did and, you know, call it a day. Um, but we're just not trained that way. It's just so fascinating how convoluted 
the mind has gotten. Mm -hmm. And you know, you've written a book and and I want to give you time to talk about your book and what's in it and how can people uh, find it. So obviously through Facebook, they can connect with you. Um, but I've got your website from anxiety to love dot com. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and put it up here. So anybody um, that is watching this and let me let me spell it out for those who are going to hear this is a podcast. And the book is called or her website is called from anxiety to love. So spell all of those words out dot com. But Corinne, tell us about your book. Well, that's also the name of my book from anxiety to love. Okay. It's, it's the subheading is a radical new approach for letting go of fear and finding lasting peace. And as I said earlier, when I started really healing in 2009, 2010, I knew I had to write about what was helping me. I didn't set out to be an author, to be like, okay, I want to be an author. What am I going to write about? It was literally through my healing. There was this, this like compulsion to have to put it down on paper and the book has all of the steps that I took to heal from anxiety, to return to peace. It has lots of exercises, meditations, and lots of stories to demonstrate. I love sharing stories because I feel like stories just really can help us see how practical these teachings are and how we can put them into practice in our day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So that's, you know, it, it's a self-help book. It's meant to be a guide. I've had many people tell me that they have gotten the audible version, the audio book, and then later went back and bought the physical copy because they just wanted to keep engaging and actually reading, you know, some of it and having the, the exercises in print. Um, the meditations in the book are available um, also as they were recorded professionally to some beautiful music. And so it really is like, it's not the type of book that you just read once and put down. It's really meant to be used as a tool in, in healing. Um, there are mind straightening mantras. So again, things that we can remind ourselves of and, and mantras, healing statements that I used in my own healing journal prompts. So it's really just loaded with a lot of tools to oh, wow. work ourselves out of fear and, and back to peace. Oh my goodness. How wonderful because that is we're leaving breadcrumbs so that others can follow leaving pointers. So how wonderful that you've uh, written that book with so much detail in it. My son and I are going to be writing a book, but it's not going to be filled with all of those, um, those, those helpful things that you have. So I cannot wait. Um, to, to hear of some of my own peeps that are listening to this that you'll have gotten from anxiety to love by Corinne. That is so awesome. Um, so you're you're working with some people then in groups. What what are you going to be doing that allows others to come in and bask in your your wisdom? And I know you have a podcast, don't you? Don't you do some? I do. Yeah. It's called From Anxiety to Love. Wonderful. <laughs> 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 it's available on Apple Podcasts, and I, I also publish it on YouTube. So it's on all the podcasting platforms, and the whole show is focused on anxiety and healing anxiety through course principles. And so I do that. I have a Sunday night weekly Course in Miracles study group. It's free. It always has been for eight years, and it and it will continue to be. And that's that. People can find the link to that on my website from anxietytolove.com. And I do have 
my From Anxiety to Love masterclass coming up um, in the next several, in the next few months. It's being built right now. And that will be um, for folks who have been, you don't have to read the book to be in the class. I highly recommend that people do read the book who get into the class because the class will go beyond the book. It'll be based on the book, but, but will go beyond it. So it'll be a chance to work with me more, um, more, you know, in a intimate setting. Oh, what a treat. What an absolute treat. You know, as I was saying earlier, um, so much of, well, everything that I've gotten to teach came to me through my connection with Jesus. And, and I was guided to create um, what he said to me. Now, this was before I really entered into this journey. So he was giving me a roadmap to follow. And what what I was told was that we go through six phases from conception to enlightenment. And it's what I call the soul's journey the three phases in which we descend into densifying our ego and the three phases that we go through to lighten up and reclaim our, you know, lift our vibration, shift it into the higher frequencies of love. So uh, I offer a free masterclass. And so anybody who is watching this, if you go to lineorlando.com, just sign up and you'll get that soul's journey. And, and it is going to be a very, eye-opening way of simplifying what we're all going through. And you'll be able to see exactly um, what Corinne and I have been talking about. You know, we get, we pick up all these fears in this life experience, and then we do the work of releasing them. And the release, it doesn't seem like it's an easy process, but it is a simple process. You're always choosing to love yourself enough to not suffer. That That is a prerequisite. Once you decide that you're worthy enough to be happy, to be peaceful, to be joyful, you will not tolerate suffering. You will not tolerate anything inside of your field that is uncomfortable. So I hope that that Corinne has served as an example of why you would want to do that for yourself because you can see how happy she is. Uh, but Corinne, let's go ahead and have you have the, the final words, share your words of wisdom. Um, with uh, so I wanna share as we, as we wind down, some words that my stepdad actually said to me when I was like totally wiped out with anxiety. This is around the 2009 episode. I was, I remember like lying on, I was over at my mom and stepdad's house, like lying on their couch because my husband was traveling and I didn't want to be alone. And I just remember I was like, I had like, you know, the mascara stains down my cheeks and just in that state of just not functioning. And he looked at me, my stepdad, and he looked straight past the picture, the sorry picture of me in a pile on the couch. And he said, the light in you is too bright to fail. And so I say that to everyone listening, the light in you is too bright to fail. No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter how challenging things get, the truth in you has not changed. It has not changed. It's there. And the light in you is too bright to fail. So I've just been so filled up by those words. And that has led to, I have another practice in my book about connecting with, like getting a picture. If, if you connect with Jesus or an angel, or even like you can use a picture of a baby because babies just yeah. like exude yeah, yeah. love. If you can get a picture 
where you can make eye contact with that picture, you can imagine that being looking at you with the eyes of perfect love. And that awakens it in you. That allows you to really connect with that feeling of what it is like to have someone see only the truth in you. And that's just a beautiful place to to be able to get reconnected with with the truth. So those are some some thoughts that came to mind. I did actually also want to mention as well that if anybody, I do have um, on my website at fromanxietytolove.com forward slash crash course, there's a three-part video series where I talk a bit about just this journey of healing, and that's that's totally free too. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, I love your generous spirit, not only sharing so much information in your book and sharing your crash course and your Course in Miracles study group. That is absolutely beautiful. That is precisely why I am so excited that the world is where it is right now. We have an opportunity to come inside, get quiet, get still, realize that there's nothing outside that's going to ever, ever going to make you happy. Happiness is inside of you. And when you find it, share it. Let's spread. It's just as contagious to be happy and laugh as it is to be, you know, fearful and and scared. So thank you so much. You are the light of the world, by the way, Miss Corinne. Thank you. As are you, Lina. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. It was wonderful. Thank you all so much. And come back and see me next week. Next week, um, my guest is going to be the the delightful Baji Daniels. And we're going to hear about her spiritual journey on the next episode of Align with Lina. Thanks a bunch. And remember, you really, truly are magnificent. Bye-bye.